0: My name is Brad and I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside Church and I want to thank you for listening to one of our messages from Hillside Church. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of scripture is still speaking today. So if it's me speaking or if it's someone else, we pray that the message you are about to hear would allow you to know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power. Enjoy the message. If if you would like to, you can join me or join us in Matthew chapter 1 or Romans chapter 6, um, depending on if you want to be with us at the start or at the end. Now, if you've got a phone or whatever, you might be able to jump around pretty quick, but but we're going to start in Matthew chapter 1 and we're going to end in Romans chapter 6. Today is our our last message in our series looking at, at what's so great about Christmas now we do have a couple of Christmas services coming up still. We do have have our Christmas Eve service and our Christmas Eve services and our Christmas Day service. But, but they're not going to be directly on this theme. We're, we're going to talk on Christmas Eve about what it means and what, it, what we can learn from the fact that there was no room for Mary and Joseph. There was no room for Jesus. And then I, like I shared earlier on Christmas Day, Pastor Derek is going to talk to us about joy. But so far we've talked about how Christmas serves for us as a reminder of the faithfulness of God, as as we saw how Christmas is the fulfillment of this entire journey that God takes his people on, from Abraham until Mary, this journey that God takes his people on, and as he fulfills all of his promises, even perhaps in ways that that was unexpected, and last week we saw how, how Christmas isn't just about a baby, but it's this powerful moment, not just because Jesus came, but why why he came, and the fullness of time he came, and why did we have to have Christmas like that? And, and this week, we're going to take one last look at this question, what's so great about Christmas. And this week, to answer the question, we're going we're to start by looking at Matthew chapter 1, because in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, Matthew says, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. So if we want to talk about the birth of Jesus, Matthew says, well, well, this is how it happened. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, um, this, this was a big deal. The, the biggest kind of deal. Uh, according to the law, that if we were to go according to the Old Testament law, um, Mary would actually be required to be stoned um, because of this, to be killed for this. Because, because she wasn't married. She was only pledged to be married. Now, the reality is, and this will come up again later, but, but stonings and things like that really don't, didn't happen... All that often, that that some of the places in the Old Testament where people were required to be stoned, it didn't take place all that often. And and it really had to do with the Romans. Um, The Romans were the ones who issued corporal punishment. The the, the Jewish people were not free to execute people as they saw fit, they were a people under the law. And so so the reality was even though Mary was, was supposed to be killed, the chances are she's not going to be killed. But the consequences that she would face as a result of this are still very, very, very real. She may not die, but, but functionally in so many ways her life is going to be over. Not physically, but emotionally and, and relationally. that, that this, this is going to tear her life apart. E- even with her fiancé. That she, she's engaged to be married to someone, and we see a man named Joseph. This story isn't, isn't going to go down well for him. Um, this isn't a story or an excuse that's going to make sense for him. Mary comes to him and says, Oh, no, honey, I, I love you. I would never, ever cheat on you. I, I know I'm pregnant, but, but trust me, it's God's, it's a miracle. That that I when when Yvonne and I were, were engaged and she came to me and said, Brad, I need to tell you the most amazing thing happened. I'm pregnant. And it's God's. I will not believe her. Full stop. Like that, that's great. You and God have a great time with the rest of your lives. But this is What do you, what you telling me that, what does that say about what you think about me? Joseph is is probably thinking, not only is she pregnant with with some other guy's baby, but it turns out I'm engaged to crazy. Or or I'm engaged to somebody who thinks I'm actually going to believe this. To come to your fiance and say, oh no, God, it's from the Lord, it's a miracle of God no it's not are you insane how am I supposed to believe that and we see that Joseph wrestles with this question and ultimately what he decides and the conclusion that he comes to is that he's going to break things off with her that that's that's the best way forward for him verse 19 says because Joseph her husband was faithful to the law but yet he still loved her he, he didn't, you know, just out and out reject her. So he wants to be faithful, but he wants to, to still love Mary. And, and to, so he's, he doesn't want to expose her to public disgrace. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But. Verse 20 starts with a but. And oftentimes, when, when a Bible verse starts with but... It's something that we want to we pay attention to because something is about to take place. But after he had considered this, after he'd come to the conclusion, the best thing I can do for Mary and for me and for all of our lives moving forward is let's just put all of this behind us and move forward. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And said, Joseph, son of David. Now Joseph wasn't, Joseph's dad wasn't named David. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. This was showing that he was of the line of David, of King David, earlier. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary of, of your, as your wife. Now, now, taking Mary as his wife meant that Joseph was going to have to open up his life to all kinds of things. Because if Joseph takes Mary as his wife, if if he takes Mary as his wife, everyone will assume that the baby is in fact his. And that means that he wasn't faithful to the law. Remember in the verse we just read, we read how Joseph was a man faithful to the law, but if, if he takes Mary as his wife... He's now publicly saying, I'm not faithful to the law. And and he was in the wrong as well. See, he's got plausible deniability. But if he takes Mary as his wife, that's gone now. Her reputation is already in tatters. But if he takes Mary as his wife, his will be too. And so the angel shows up to him and, and says to him, don't. Don't worry about all of that. When, when Mary said that it was from God, she's not crazy. She, she's actually telling the truth. It was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then verse 21, the angel goes on to say, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because, and Joseph, being a good Jewish boy, knows exactly what's taking place here. If God is doing something, I know what God's doing. You don't need to tell me why he, his name's going to be Jesus, meaning he will save his people. I know why, why this is coming. For hundreds and hundreds of years, we've been a people in captivity. Without a real country to call our own. And We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but in the forefront of Joseph's mind, remember what God said to Abraham. And, and he's going, God is, is bringing a child into this world. I know why this child's coming. If God is finally sending someone, I already know the because. It's because we're getting our next Moses. We're getting our next Joshua. We're getting the next person who's going to lead us to victory. You will call his name Jesus because he will save his people. I already know he's going to save his people. It's what we've been asking for. It's what we've been praying for. It's it's what God has promised, a great nation, a blessing to the world. God is finally sending someone to lead his people to freedom and to glory, to be the greatest nation the world has ever known, to overthrow Rome and lead us again to freedom. He will save his people from their... Again, Joseph is thinking to himself, I know exactly what I'm going to be saved from. Their captivity, their oppression. Where are we going to be saved from? We're going to be saved from the Romans. This is great. And it's going to be my kid. Oh, this is going to be awesome. To save his people from their sins. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out here. Save us. From our what? Just a sec. Uh, angel, I, I know you're an angel and everything, but I don't know how plugged in angels are. So maybe you need a little update on what's been happening in life and the world and everything that's going on. Because being saved from our sins, not the highest priority we have right now. That, that's not a felt need. if if you were to to do a poll of all of the Jewish people and, and you were to say, what does God need to save us from? You know what we would resoundingly say? Rome. Ever heard of it? Rome. Save us from Rome. Nobody needs to save us from our sins. And in fact, God, you know your boss? The, the guy who 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 in theory you 're listening to he's he's already set up a pretty elaborate and sophisticated system for for us to deal with our sins you know the temple it's it 's just a couple miles that way it's it 's on the top of a mountain you can't you can 't really miss it it's, it's, it's this big giant place where we go to to do everything that God told us to do so so that we could be delivered from Our sins. Now if you want to save someone from their sins. Might I suggest the Romans. Those are some people who need to be saved from their sins. Those are bad, bad people. We're God's people. And look what they're doing to us. So maybe you go deal with Rome and their sin. And maybe as a punishment for them. You you set us free and do what God has been telling us he's going to do for forever. Now, of course, Joseph doesn't respond that way. I'm going to give you a spiritual principle that you can take with you today. When the angel of the Lord shows up and talks to you, you don't talk back. When God shows up to speak to you, you're not going to have time for witty retorts. You're not going to have time to be sarcastic. You're not going to have it in you to be like, well, God, let's have some jokes. When the angel of the Lord shows up and talks to you, you don't talk back. When God shows up and speaks like this, we listen. And so Joseph does what any of us would do. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do. And he took Mary as his wife. Now, I want to talk this morning about why the angel said Jesus was coming. Because I think that there's something really important for us to understand in this. And I think that it may be something that that we can sometimes miss. That we can sometimes undervalue. That, that we can sometimes like... Push down the strength of what was said and kind of turn it into something else that, that is maybe a little more like uh, able for us to grasp them. Um, but I think that sometimes it, it can show us and it can help us to, to maybe see in our own lives what, why maybe sometimes we're, we're not moved the way that we should be by the story of Jesus. Or, or, why we can become complacent with Jesus and, and why he came and, and what he did for us, and, and why we can almost become numb to the story of Jesus. That when you followed God for a long time, you know, the, the moment that it te- you, you begin your walk with Jesus, and it's amazing, and, and then all these years later, sometimes it's like, yeah, I know. And I think that this is is sometimes what we can forget and what sometimes we can take and, and tweak a little bit. Because here's what the angel said again. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. But there's something a little different that I think we take away at times and, and that, we, that we try and apply to that. There, there's a different way that sometimes we can understand this and, and move forward with it. Is Sometimes, he, here's what I think we can turn that into. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will forgive his people of their sins. And if we're not careful, we can reduce Christmas to simply about forgiveness. In fact, this may be your entire Christian experience and understanding. It may sound a lot like this. Nobody's perfect, but God forgives. Nobody's perfect, but God forgives. Well, well, nobody's perfect, but, but God forgives. I mess up, but God forgives me. 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 And that is profoundly and life-changingly true. But the story of Christmas, that's not all of it. That's only a portion. And for many, this sums up their entire relationship with God. Everything they've known to be true about God is that I mess up and God forgives me. But the message of Christmas, the message to Joseph from the angel and the message of the gospel is so much more than just forgiveness. And if we've reduced Christmas to merely forgiveness, we've missed so much about why Jesus came. In fact, the primary reason why this angel says that Jesus did come. Because Jesus didn't just come to deliver us from the penalties of sin, or the consequences of sin. In fact, and we'll talk about this more in a bit, but for, for most of us, and, and for, for most of the sin in our lives, we're not delivered from the consequences from it. We may be delivered from some, but we'll talk about this more in a moment, but the sin in our life still comes with consequences. See, it wasn't the penalty of sin ...that Jesus came to free us from. It wasn't that Jesus came to just forgive us our sins. Jesus came to free us from the power of sin. The kingdom of sin. The dominion of sin. The slavery to sin. The power of sin. In Jesus we are given the promise of freedom... ...not just from the results of our sin... ...but from the very power of sin in our lives... And we can see evidence of this all throughout Jesus' ministry. My my one of my favorite stories, and one of my favorite examples of this, is is this this amazing story from the life of Jesus, where where Jesus was at the temple one day and and suddenly there's this loud commotion that's going on, and this group of men, and as it turns out, they're they're religious leaders, and they, they drag this woman before Jesus. And and they tell Jesus, she's been caught in adultery. These religious leaders, they drag this woman before Jesus and they say, Jesus, she's been caught in adultery. Now, she probably had not been caught in the act of adultery here at the temple. That's probably not where the action was taking place. So, So what that means, what that tells us is that they've probably been dragging this woman all throughout the city. That they brought her from wherever she was caught and, and this large group of men are dragging her, making a public spectacle of her and her life and they're dragging through her through the city and they, they throw her and they, they drag her up these long stairs leading up to the temple. The temple was at the top of what they would call a mountain. We would call it a hill. But there's all these stairs leading up and they're dragging her and they're, they're, there's all this commotion and they finally get to the temple and they throw her in front of Jesus and they, they tell her this woman was caught in adultery and the the law says we're going to stone her. Or we should stone her. What, what do you say, Jesus? Now, what we see is that this is all in an attempt to get something against Jesus. To, to put Jesus in a position where he's got to say something that might turn, turn people against him. Either he's got to excuse the sin of adultery, or he's got to say, out, let's kill her. And, and neither one of those are particularly like public-approved messages. They're playing games with, with this woman's life. That, that she's a pawn in a game in order to try and trap Jesus. Now, now here's the actual situation. Here, here's what you need to know about this moment. Um, they're not going to stone her. Um, you don't stone people in the temple. That in this moment, right here and right now, they are not gonna stone her in the temple when when they're you know 75 yards away from the Holy of Holies. They're not going to stone her now. And like we talked about earlier, the Romans are not going to be okay with them just killing this woman because of a Jewish law. They don't, that's not what they want. They, they, you're not allowed to police yourselves. The Romans will execute people. But, but the Jews, it's a hard thing to get away with a stoning. So they're probably not actually going to stone her. But Jesus calls, calls their bluff and says, fine. Fine. If, if you really want to stone her, you need to take her out of the temple. So you take her down to the valley and you stone her. But there's one caveat. If you want to do this, then, then the one who's never sinned, the, 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 whichever one of you has, has sinned the least, whichever one of you is sinless, you're the one who starts the stoning. So you can do that, but, but here's, here's the rule. Here's what I say. If you want to kill her for sinning, then, then you better make sure you're sinless. This was not the answer that, that the religious leaders were expecting. And so they, they take a moment and they're having to, to sort of regroup and rethink their strategy. And, and well, how, how can I respond to this? What, what can I do? What can I say? what do we And one by one, they, they're stumped. And they don't know what to say. And so they give up. And they just leave. Until there's, there's just... Jesus and and the woman left. And then Jesus speaks two things to this woman and, and tells her two things. One very famous, one not as famous. One we like to hear, one we like to camp on, one we like to say, that's the message I want to hear from Jesus. But one that's a little less popular, one that's a little more like, oh, Let's go back to the first one. I like that one. He he looks to her and he says like, woman, woman, where where are all these people that were going to stone you? And and she says to him, all of them have left. And he looks at her and and says to her, I would guess with with a smile on his face, he says to her, she says, no no one's left to condemn me. They've they've all gone. And, And he looks to her and says, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared. That's the famous part we like. I do not condemn you. This is Jesus saying, I forgive you. This is Jesus saying, you are freed from the consequences of your life of sin. You are free. I forgive you. But then he says something else. And this is the part that's a little... Less quoted. That's a little less totally able to understand what, what does this mean? Part that's a little less famous, a little less liked. He says, I no longer condemn you, neither do I contemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. Well, that's a whole other kettle of fish. I'm forgiven of all the concepts. I'm forgiven of everything. But Jesus didn't come to simply forgive our sin. He the angel said he came to save us from our sin. And so Jesus doesn't just say, Your sins are forgiven, have a great day. He says, Your sins are forgiven. Now go and and leave your life of sin. To which now we have to ask ourselves a question. Is that possible? To leave your life of sin? To leave behind the, the sin that brought you to this place? Can, can we go and sin no more? Can we leave the power of sin behind? Can, can we leave kept captivity to sin? Can we, can we say no to sin? The Apostle Paul will write about this in Romans chapter 6. As, as he looks at his own life and the journey that he has taken and what this journey means for everyone, in Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 12, Paul, Paul will say this. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. See, Paul gives us a command here. He writes to the Romans and he gives, us a, gives them a command. and By extension, he gives us a command, which, which means he thinks it's possible that he doesn't give them a command that they cannot follow. He, he gives them a command that he says uh, that we can th- understand. That, that he thinks this is possible. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Do not let sin continue to be your king or your master. Do not allow yourselves to stay under the authority of a sin. So, so does Paul say we have a choice? Yes. Apparently, we we have a choice in this. It's why Jesus came to deliver us, to deliver you, to deliver me, all of us, from, not just to forgive us for, but to deliver us from our sin. And Paul goes on to say later, he goes on to say, Do not offer any part of yourself as an instrument of wickedness, but rather... Now, but rather means that there's another option. That there's another way, which means that if our entire Christian experience has looked like sin forgiveness sin forgiveness, sin, forgiveness, sin, forgiveness, sin, forgiveness, sin, forgiveness, sin, forgiveness, sin, forgiveness. If that's the entire story of our Christian experience, then we've never fully experienced the fullness of why Jesus came. We've experienced some of why Jesus came, but not the fullness of it. But he'll say, but rather, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. It's not just about being forgiven for our sin, But it's about something bigger. It's about freedom from our sin. It's it's about going from the death that comes with sin to life that comes from freedom of sin. Verse 14, he says, For sin shall no longer be your master. Paul's talking about in our lives those times when there's two of us. or, Or maybe those moments like you've seen on a TV show where there's a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other. And you're going, I don't want to, but I really want to. I should, but but there's something inside of me that's telling me I shouldn't. I shouldn't, but yet I think I'm gonna. Paul says that there's, there's part of us that pushes and drives us to sin, but that part of us doesn't need to be our master because of Jesus. And then at the end of this, this incredible teaching that Paul gives, he summarizes it like this. He says in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death. The wages, the, co- the payment, the outcome, the consequences, or the results of sin is death. Now, now this is something we, we, I mentioned earlier, and we're going to come back to it now, that we're not always freed from the consequences of sin. Now, now, the, the spiritual consequences of sin, the, the, the separation of God, Jesus came and, and he, he, he conquered that consequence. But Paul tells us that the consequences of sin is death. So, so does that mean if I sin, I'm going to die? No, we're all still here. You're you're here. So obviously the penalty of death was not, of of a literal physical death, was not what you experienced. But here's what you need to know. Wherever there is sin, there's death. Sin kills things. It's what it does. When, When Paul says the wages of sin is death, what we need to know is that the presence of sin in our life... Kills things. Maybe for you, it it was a marriage that was killed by sin. Maybe it's been your finances killed by your lack of self-control. Maybe it's a family relationship that has been killed because of their sin. Or maybe it was your own sin. Maybe it's a friendship that you've lost that's been killed Because you haven't been able to control your thoughts or your words. Maybe it's an addiction that has been part of your life. That has killed so many parts of your life. Because you cannot master and get over this addiction. And you come back again and again to sin. And sin just keeps killing. Maybe your sin has killed the way you see yourself. And so whenever somebody says to you, you know, you're a child of God. You were created in the image of God. Your own self-identity and awareness of who we are in Christ has been killed because of sin. Wherever there is sin, something dies. And here's here's the crux of of what I'm wanting to get across for us today and why I think it's important that we understand that Jesus just didn't come to forgive us. Forgiven sin still kills things. Sin that has been forgiven can continue to kill things. Just because we ask God for forgiveness and God has been faithful to forgive does not mean that the death that has come as a result of our sin has been reversed. That marriage may still be dead even though God has forgiven. There's a a whole prison system full of people who have asked Jesus for forgiveness and he has been faithful to forgive them but their actions still remain criminal and they will spend perhaps the rest of their life in jail. Your actions, the things we've done, the sin in our lives, may still have led to death, even though Jesus has been faithful to forgive us. But the angel didn't say that Jesus came into the world to forgive us our sin. That's not what he came to do. The angel came to say that he will set us free from sin. He will deliver us from the dominion, the rule, the captivity of ourselves, of our lives, to sin. Not merely the consequences from the sins we've committed, but we can be free from sin. The wages, of sin is death but the gift it's christmas how can you have christmas without gifts the gift of god is eternal life in Christ Jesus our lord now what you may hear from that is okay well that means i get to live forever or live forever in heaven with jesus i'll get to go to heaven when i die but, but that's not the full of it. Because the gift that you receive when you place your faith in Christ is a gift that you receive right then and there. In this moment, for all of eternity, but also for right now. The gift of God is eternal life that doesn't start when we die. It starts the moment that we accept Jesus. You receive the gift of life, a gift of, of a life free from the power and bondage of sin, a life free from sin's control, not just forgiven, but freedom from the power of sin through Christ Jesus. This is the gospel. This is the message of Christianity. This is what is so great about Christmas. Through the life of that baby boy given To Mary and Joseph, we are given the gift of a new life, a new life in Christ. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that in your coming, you didn't just make a way for for the past to be reconciled. You, just didn't, you didn't just make a way for our past to be made right. That you didn't just give us this moment where we have a new or a fresh start. That you didn't just give us this, this time or this place where like, okay, now you're good. Let's see where things go. But God, I thank you that even in your coming, the proclamation of the angel to Joseph is that you would be named Jesus because you would save your people from their sins. And so, God, I pray that in our lives and in my life, in us as a church and in us as people, God, that we wouldn't just look to you for forgiveness. God, I thank you that your word tells us that when we come to you and ask for forgiveness, you are faithful and just to forgive our sins. But, God, may we look and think bigger in our lives. God, may we just not look for the forgiveness, for the grace from sin. But, God, may we look to be able to be free from sin. May we be able to to live in the power of, of your coming that would set us free from sin. And God, I pray that for each of us as we walk through this Christmas season, as we go through each day for the next week and Christmas is everywhere around us, as we go through our lives, God, may we know in each day and in every day that we see Christmas and we hear Merry Christmas and we hear the songs. God, may it serve as a reminder to us that you came to set us free from the power of sin. God, so many thought that you were going to come to set people free from the kingdom of Rome, from the Roman Empire, from these occupiers that would be be human, that these occupiers that that would be of this world. But God, I thank you that that your word will tell us that, that we don't do battle with this world, but we do battle in the spiritual. And God, I thank you that you came to set us free in the spiritual. And that it was for nothing as temporal as Rome. But it was for each one of us in our lives that we would be free from sin. God, I thank you that for each one here, you say the same thing that you said to that woman caught in adultery. I don't condemn you. I thank you that for each one of us, we walk free of condemnation. But God, I pray that we would also walk in the heart of the second thing that you said that we would look to you to allow us to leave our lives of sin, to go and sin no more. God, thank you that that is what is so great about Christmas. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Hillside Church. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Hillside Church, there are a couple places you can go. HillsideAirdrie.ca is our website, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HillsideAirdrie. You can also look us up on YouTube and find all of our messages on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to connect to the pastoral team at Hillside, you can do that through our website, hillsideairdry.ca, and click on About Us in the main menu, and then click on Our Pastors. We're so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdry and with you today. At Hillside Church, we are a family, not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood, and that family includes you. As family we go.